two of you, we might need to do a little... So often it just starts, drifts in, but I'll just do a little tiny introduction. And volume-wise, the sound picks up okay? It's amazing. Okay. Um, yeah. And then you can, you can compress it and it does all sorts of clever things. Do you edit it? As little as possible, mm-hmm. but on the whole, the whole point of it is, um, like I don't. The radio show. Yeah, and, and for it to kind of amble and ramble. Right. And one of the best interviews we did was for Gloucester, BBC Radio Gloucester. Yeah. <laughs> Gloucester, Gloucester. That was fun, wasn't it? Oh, it was fun. We were all having a ball. Guy was going to just keep us for one segment, and we were just having a lot of fun. It was really good. And then we ended up using, you know, the city and. The very next story we did. That's right. Actually, in the book. I'm terrified, yeah, to go to Gloucester. Now. <laughs> you made me scared. Well, you should be. <laughs> well, I would love there saying this looks like New York parts of New York City. I think on that bombshell, should we? Um, I'll bid everyone welcome to uh, the new episode of This Writing Life. I'm thrilled to be in the Hotel Xanadu. I don't know what I expected to find in the Hotel Xanadu. Well, we can, maybe. Yeah. yeah that'd be... <laughs> but what I have found in the Hotel Xanadu is, is not one, but two writers. Matt Costello. Now, which one is, for the sake of our audience, which one's Matt, which one's Neil? I think... I'm Matt. Can we hear that? Can we hear that? Hi, I'm Matt. I'm the American. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Neil. I'm the reserved Englishman. Yes. Now, We've had all sorts of different kinds of writers, but this is probably the first time I've had a writing team. I've had two writers on at the same time, if that doesn't sound in any way improper. But you've been a writing team for how long? 19 years, Matthew. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd, plus the two decades. Yeah. And the fruits of your... The reason we're here specifically mm-hmm. is... The, is it the first actual full novel in, the, in a crime series... What, how do we? What should we call the crime series? They, they, they label it Cherryman. Okay. And uh, we're not def- terribly afraid of labels, so it's a cozy crime series. We started out as um, they contracted for twelve episodes, which are developed length. We did twelve episodes. Uh, many people loved them, and apparently they sold. So they contracted for another twelve episodes. Many people loved them. I guess they sold. And then they said, uh, well, actually, I think we raised the question of the novel, because I've done a lot of novels. I've written like 25, 30 novels. And I like the novel format. And so I say, and we'd often be doing these episodes and thinking, there could, there could be a, there's a novel here. And so we thought we'd test it out. And what you've read recently, Dead in the Water, is the first full Sherryman novel. And the first of three. So we've, we've commissioned to do a trilogy of novels, and what we're doing is interspersing those with little seasonal novellas. Okay. The novellas are around a third of the size of a novel, and yeah. they're coming in at about oh, right. thirty. And that's in the same world, the same. Yeah, the same world, it's a fictional world, uh, which is um, a town in the Cotswolds, which is composed of, I think, three real Cotswold towns okay. that we've stuck together. I mean, we actually have taken the maps and, and we have sort of drawn it. And now we're having to fill in the maps with all of the characters that we've created. <laughs> with 160, 200 characters exist. A lot of, so, of dead. You need a plumber, you need an electrician, you got to have a couple of pubs, you got a restaurant. Where do you take your car to get fixed? You know, so where do you go for this and that? So, But who's at the, at the centre of it? Well, the centre, well, that's what, of course, I'm an American, obviously, and Neil's British, obviously. Um, so we came up with the concept of an American detective working 
with an English woman. And the backstory was, it's a New York City, I'm from New York City, New York City detective, my, my brother was a New York City cop, uh, who was planning to move here with his wife when he retired. Wife um, dies, so he comes over anyway, but he, he's wounded and lives in one of those lovely barges okay. that people in this country like to live in and travel on. Oh, yeah. and, and he comes to the village of Charingham. So he's sort of living the dream that he and his wife had, but there's pain there. And meets Sarah in the first episode, who's a single mom, right, Neil? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so English single mum. I mean, I've got, I've, I've lived in the village for the last 20 years. I, you know, was in London, moved outside of London, kind of raised a family, and um, and know a lot of women, some of whom are single mums, but some aren't, and have just sort of seen how they all deal with kids growing up from, you know, seven, eight, nine, up through the teens. And we've now been writing this show about Sarah for four years, so her kids have gone from... I think yeah, pre-teens, 14 to 18. Yeah, mm-hmm. but in They're a sense, we'll yeah, absolutely. That's right. Chloe is 17. She's 18 last year, sixth form. In the most okay. recent, in the in the first novel, so the okay. most recent in the in the linear series. And the novel writing now, she's about to go off to uni in a few months, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a kind of long-running crime soap series with quite a lot of returning mm. characters, uh, a new victim every time. So okay. in, in a way, like Midsummer Murders, you have to get used to the fact that we're now on murder number 23, <laughs> right. 25. It's good we make the victim different every time, because people say, why are you killing the same Well, that would be Groundhog Cherryman. Cherryman. He's dead again. <laughs> this is always a strange moment, I mean, I, I've not long since moved to Oxford and, and it's, you know, the, the dream inspires the, the... But you can't help but walk around Oxford without seeing a murder on every corner, yeah, thanks to yeah. Colin Dexter. It's a strange thing yeah. that, that it's coming it's from... It's become sinister, considering how beautiful and warm... The Cotswolds does get yeah. a terrible... Re- uh, so we've got MC Beaton, who I think yeah. set some of her... Some more yeah. crazy, but you've now killing even more people in, right. in the area. No, to be honest, not every... Uh, I'm going to be honest now. Okay. okay? The whole part. Uh, not every mystery is a murder. We have, okay. we have other things. There's blackmail, ransoms. But, you know, the body count is building up. Of course, being a cozy, we never, we never actually take you into the room and watch the act occurring. Well, well I think we, we, we'll be in the room, but we will stop where the hammer blow falls. That's right. Because who wants to see that? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, well, that's an interesting question. Who does want that? I mean, it's sometimes, there are lots of people out there who... Who, who really do enjoy the, the sort of uh, throat slitting yeah, what, yeah. what is it about a cosy that, that both of you like well I, I think that both Neil and I you know, we've we run a long time together so we know each other but we have a shared reading history in that we both spend a lot of time reading the classic mystery writers we were talking before obviously now Agatha you know, who hasn't been influenced by her but Dorothy Sayers and the Lord Peter Whimsey series mm-hmm. And even in the United States, you have Earl Stanley Gardner, uh, you have John McDonald, who, you know, though his mysteries were quite, quite, quite cozy. Mm-hmm. And so, sorry? yeah, I mean, Maygraves, I just started to oh, read right. some Maygraves again because I hadn't read them for, for a, a while. And they're all being re released through Penguin. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 all those, those Penguin re releases, I found some new authors, you know, Cornish Mystery, mm-hmm. you know, little sort of books like that. Um, some are a little dated, but. Um, what, yeah. are, what are the rules? I mean, for you, for, for, for you guys, what, what would the rule be of a cozy? What could you? What do you want to concentrate on, and what would you? What would be outside of the? Before we came to it, like my writing, other than this, which has been, if you go on Amazon, it looks like all I do is cozy <laughs> mysteries. But I've actually done, I've done a lot of horror. 
Um, and a sci-fi science fiction yeah. horror, a lot of hybrids. And there, I'm not afraid at all to show you what happens when the hammer comes down into the cranium. That's quite a. That's quite a I want to actually slow it down so we can enjoy the moment. So, but I, I love those. My uh, those mysteries were just so warm and and also beautifully written. I mean, they they were more suspense is suspense. Okay. Get your heart racing. But a cozy mystery, it has to have an elegance about it. So when we started, we sort of said, well, what does it mean to be cozy? And found it was kind of all over the map. But there's some sort of broad rules which, you know, probably not very sexual at all. You know, um, not violent, mm -hmm. really. Um, it's a, a cast of characters that you get, get to know. And um, there'll be lots of tea. So we can talk over things. And it, it, these are people you want to spend time with. Okay. We found, I think, what people really like about these stories is not only, I, I think, we build a good good mystery, and, and Neil's been especially, he's just amazing with, with plot and keeping me honest that way. Because suspense writers will say, screw it, we'll just kill someone. <laughs> Always, that's hard. Um, oh, that's fine. Um, but um, so getting the plot, but beyond that, we have characters that I think people like to read about, and we actually like when we can say, oh, let's use that character and bring him out of the closet and put him on stage and let him or her do the good stuff. Yeah. Um, when we first pitched this, and because we work a lot on TV and games, in a lot of other media, we hadn't written any books before. Um, so our pitch, naturally, we, wrote, we actually wrote a TV pitch. I mean, we, we wrote a six to eight pager. We put lots of pictures mm -hmm. in, and it's a, you know like a kind of sizzle. It was exciting. I don't think really publishers tend to get that kind of pitch. Right. Um, and so when we got the, the commission, we, we carried on that process. I mean, so we, we were using a, a three-act structure when we started to put the novellas together. And the novellas work, they work like a Moors right. or an Endeavour. Well, yeah. any of those classic ITV two-hour shows that are probably 80, 90 minutes with plus commercials. You know. And we were talking in scenes. We weren't talking chapters. We'd write in chapters. But so we were using my experience as a TV... I mean, I started as a TV story editor, as a movie story editor, development person. Mm. So I, I, I just innately have quite a strong sense of a, of a sort of story shape mm. visually. And then when we started writing, I think we probably write more visually. I mean, you will have noticed that there are not as many words on our pages. Yeah. Um, because we just, we write like we write scene directions. If you were to read one of our TV scripts, it would be the same yeah. speed of delivery and the same prose style. And mm -hmm. um, we consciously, and we ended up doing that, realizing we were doing it, and then realizing it was a good thing, because so many people are, 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 are reading on screens. And actually, that's, you don't want to get embedded and bogged down in a in an eight-line paragraph. You know, you've got to be able to set the scene in two lines and whoosh. So there's a specific way that... So I read this on a Kindle, and was, what was also interesting, I started to notice that the chapters would often... End, I mean, I think Ian Fleming famously did this, that the chapter would end with a, you know, sometimes literal cliffhangers, but there was something to keep you wanting to, yeah, to yeah. swipe across that right. next page. Exactly. Oh, I learned that from, I mean, from Matt and yeah. from your book writing. It's, it's, it's pacing, because you get to the end of the book, and then you're into the next chapter, and the next chapter does that same thing. And it doesn't always have to be a kind of massive cliffhanger, no. it can be something quite... Um... Yeah, sometimes there'll be something large, but sometimes just a little bit to bring you. It's not just the end of the chapter. It propels you forward. I was going to say, to Neil's point, 
uh, Ursula Quinn did a, a, a new edition of her book on writing recently, and she says that as many words as you would apply to describing something, say this room, I could spend as many words, and you never being here will never exactly be able to picture this room accurately. She says, because everyone's inventing it inside their mind. It's not like cinema, it's not like theater. You're inventing when you read it, you're inventing in your mind. And essentially that's, well, for my country at least, that's what Hemingway did. Right. Hemingway, he said, if you can't get that room in one sentence, you pick the detail that captures the room. And I think that's what we go for. We get the detail that gets that, you know, the rumpled shirt with the coffee stains. Boom, I got that guy. Mm. I think I have him. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure one more detail. You know, a roll up that's falling apart or something. Okay. Yeah. But uh, you capture the person to sing. And, that, and that's how something like Mammoth writes movie scripts. You know, if you ever read Mammoth movie scripts, oh, you know, they are just bliss. Right. They're, they're, the page is so bare. And even the, I mean, is it Mammoth who's got that sort of golden rule about dialogue that was the king, the prince, and the, just the ordinary guy. Right. So the only person who should ever have more than one sentence in the speech is the king. Yeah. Your, your key protagonist in, in one of his movies. Everybody else, and if they're way down the pecking order, they should, they should hardly even have a sentence. Maybe yeah. you give them a word. So this is a kind of hybrid of, of both of, both of your different experiences mm. in different in different. Yeah, I mean, Matt, I, I was kind of scared of writing novels. So we've been writing <laughs> TV and games, but novels are like real, aren't they? Like yeah. you're a real writer. You're allowed to say I'm an author <laughs> if you write books. Right. And and I studied English literature, okay. and so that you know once again that's an obstacle to becoming a writer. Um, so Matt told me it was the same thing as writing films right. and TV. If you can do one, you shouldn't be scared of it. And so really, I've learned how to write prose from Matt. And I, and I do believe, because I've actually had people I've tried to coach to become writers who've written television. I have a friend who's written, for example, Star Trek. Yeah. Um, and he tried to do fiction. And I said, well, it's going to be easy. He's written TV scripts for Star Trek. And there was an X factor that wasn't there. So very quickly after the first episodes, Neil was off and running. And, um, and so there's a, a talent X factor you have to have. I was pretty hard-nosed in the beginning, because it's my way to the highway. <laughs> I, I, I backed off that now, because he's written, at this point he's written as many words of fiction as we've most actually, novels. We've written, this series is a million words or something so far. Yeah. Isn't that so, ridiculous? The, so, so in some ways, it, the, for you, the experience of, of doing the novellas mm. has given you a certain kind of confidence. You actually yeah. have to do it to, to learn how yeah. to do it. Yeah, I mean, the output is amazing. And we were writing those. We were writing... Their schedule for the first series was... Five weeks? Five weeks for a novella. Okay. From start to finish, from idea to write it. 130 pages, 40 so, pages. So yeah, 14 really months, 12, 12 books. Edited an hour. Mm. So it was a real... Like Dickens in 1890, <laughs> no, when, no, whenever he was doing the, you know, the serious stuff. Well, see, Dickens is a great model because he he wrote on time time pressure, yeah. And also, yeah. he liked to serialize, mm-hmm. and these kind of like with the chapter endings you mentioned before, there, it's almost that serial ending. Well, there's great plans you can see right. of, that he did for the books, where you can see each character and he's yeah. and uh, oh, he gets to that point. Really, I mean, back some of the I don't think for all of them, but particularly for the installments, and you can see that he's. Well, I'd like to see that. Yeah. The other interesting thing, by the way, when we started was obviously I know Americans. I don't know all Americans, <laughs> and these days I don't know how many Americans are, but. Uh, I, so I, I know New York City, I know cops, like, you know, my brother's a cop, etc. But 
So initially, you know, the detective's probably going to be my value. But then somewhere, I don't know, maybe like the fourth episode, we each had the voice of the other. So I could write Sarah and say things I'd never say back in Brooklyn. <laughs> and he could do Jack and refer to things in Sheepshead Bay and being in the forest and out in the streets. And it felt natural. So it began, did you divide it up in those ways? But it... No, well, the way we work, which we've worked on since we started writing together, is um, we spend a bunch of time brainstorming. I mean, like with these, we go to the Cotswolds for a week and we we rent somewhere really nice and we stay there and every day we 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 sit at a kitchen table and we plan and we go for walks and then we go to the pub and then we have great meals and our wives at home are constantly on the phone going yeah we should be with you oh yes I'll have another should we please thank you yeah. is this where the martinis come in you, you... not really oh, okay. uh, mostly martinis with my wife you can't get it's hard to get martinis okay well difficult I found sorry but... so does it you have to make it the collaboration do you have to make work fun is it is oh it is fun it's oh fun. yeah it's we get a creative zone it's a blast yeah com- com- completely fun there's a, a massive amount of sympathy understanding confidence trust uh, I mean if Matt's got problems with anything I've written then I, I know yeah. there's a problem uh, he may not have identified the right bit and it's, it's vice versa but then we will hack away at it until we find out what the issue is yeah the and, whole defense thing you could possibly have like that was a good scene what are you talking about it was alright <laughs> And and the other one, I'm just not buying him. Well, you buy it, you know. So we have none of that. You know, if, if Neil raised a question, I go, okay, need to think. I may try to defend it, but you know, so this you kind ha- of know. It's like having an editor collaborator. It, well, it is because so the, when we have our our week together and we plan and we structure and we shape. Mm. Um, I mean, Matt hates the idea of being pinned down with a shape and a structure. He, you know, he's at the school of... Let's say I prefer the other method. <laughs> <laughs> well, well Matt, Matt firmly believes the characters will lead the way. You know, okay, you're hearing that voice. That's, 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 they will take right. us. They will take us where we where we want to go. Um, but I, because I, I'm, you know, I come from right. a from a story editing background. I want it structured, shaped. I want to know whether you know where the markers are all the way through. I want to know where the curtain drops are at the end of the act. Blah blah blah. So we 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 we, we agree. We politely agree how much is shaped and then we get the next few beats we, we can see the next few scenes or chapters um, we tend to do about 30 pages each so yeah. so Matt will hit 30 he sends to me I edit those 30 and I write the next 30 right. I send back to Matt he then edits the edits on the first 30 he edits my edits and then he writes the next 30 and so by the time you get to the end it's all been edited and edited and done and shaped and, right. and I've taken out any loose Americanisms in the English characters hopefully and, and Neil sometimes refer to things like he referred the other day to a coconut shy and I said what's a coconut shy or and tombola which I didn't know either so, <laughs> so some of these things occasionally I'll go to wiki because Jack has to respond to that if I don't know what it is, then Jack, our detective, is going to go, what's a coconut? What do those people do with the coconuts and the balls well, over there? Because of the coconut shy, we've, we're actually in the middle of a... We're, we're writing Jack's first cricket match. Okay. That's going to be... So there's a reference to baseball. There's a moment, actually, where you talk about the idea of lingo, and I think, is it donkey's years is the phrase, and Jack seems a bit unsure about it. 